Malkin, Kessel, and Schultz opt for three-on-three overtime. I knew the puck was going to wind up in one net or the other pretty quick. Gino and Phil are quite offensive-minded, and Schultz ain't exactly Doug Harvey. But all's well because it ended well. The Pens didn't play perfect, but that's still two wins in a row. And now they head to Philadelphia for a rivalry Wednesday. And with first place in the Metro, very much within reach. This is the Mark Madden Show. Woo! Looking like only I can look and talking like only I can talk. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Or follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. We will have a lot of Penguins talk today, but I got to get the Lev Bell, who got franchised and said, quote, I just have to decide if I'm going to play when the time comes, unquote. So the shenanigans are already upon us, just as expected. I don't think Bell could win this fight, especially not the PR battle. The Steelers offered a deal worth 13.3 mil per year, and Bell turned it down. Even that's too much. No running back in a passing league is worth that much, and Bell turned it down. Last year, the second highest paid back in football made 8.25 mil. Devontae Freeman from Atlanta. Bell wants 14.5 mil. Last year, the second highest paid receiver in football made 16.2 mil. That was Dondre Hopkins from Houston. If Antonio Brown, who is number one, wanted to be paid like Lev Bell once paid, he would demand $28 million per season. Exponentially, that's what AB would want. He's a bit more realistic. He appears to be happy making 17 mil. Running back isn't undervalued. Running back mostly doesn't matter. You can do it by committee like Philadelphia did and like New England did. All six running backs that played in the Super Bowl for the Eagles and Pats made 7.2 mil between them. That's it. Now, If the Steelers had won with Bell, that would be different. But they have not. Bell is exceptional, but he's already been paid exceptionally. Bell does not deserve the combined salaries of a number one back and a number two receiver, as Bell has mentioned. Not unless he can split into two and literally play both positions at the same time. Bell's thinking is moronic. Catching passes is part of his job as a running back and a reason he's the highest paid at the position. I don't know if this is greed on Bell's part or principle or maybe green tinted by principle. I honestly don't think Bell is very bright, so it's hard to tell. It's also hard to tell how this plays out. It wouldn't shock me if Bell missed games this time around. Bell would have to report by week 10 to burn off the franchise tender. It's going to be a mess, just like you knew it would be. But it's tough for the Steelers to let Bell walk. I think they'd like to, 
But plan B couldn't be easily assembled, not not quickly. And the Steelers do have a contending team. Although I say again, you don't win with guys like Le'Veon Bell. He's just too wrapped up in himself. The Steelers aren't offering jump change. They offered $13.3 million per season. I don't know how Le'Veon Bell feels insulted by that, but he apparently does. By this time next year, Bell won't be the best running back in the league. Actually, you could argue that Gurley from the Rams right now is better than Bell. The stats certainly suggest that. But a year from now, we're going to be talking about Saquon Barkley as the king of the backs. Barkley can make running back important again. Le'Veon Bell hasn't. 412 is the number to call to go one-on-one with the great one. We have another Tempest in a teapot in football, the race card. Troy Apke is a safety from Penn State. He ran the 40 in 4.35 seconds. That was at the NFL Combine. Apke is white. Deion Sanders on the NFL Network expressed surprise at Apke's time and then said, quote, You know why I'm surprised. I can't say it on TV, but he can run, run, unquote. Obviously, that's a reference to Apke being white. I'm not offended by that at all. But nor am I offended that Bill Polian said, the former NFL GM, Polian said on ESPN that Lamar Jackson, the Louisville quarterback, should play wide receiver in the NFL. And if you're offended at one, you should be offended at both. If you're not offended by one, you should be offended by neither. It's that simple, that clear-cut. Here's an interesting quote from the Awful Announcing website on the matter. Quote, We certainly won't say that bias in NFL draft scouting against white defensive backs is as severe or damaging as, say, bias against black quarterbacks, but clearly there's a lot of stereotyping going around, unquote. Now, Why isn't it as damaging against white defensive backs? Tangibly, I think it's much more damaging against white defensive backs. Five black quarterbacks started last year in the NFL. Not one white dude played cornerback. Not one. So it sounds to me, very tangibly speaking, like the bias against white defensive backs is indeed more damaging. African Americans make up 70% of the NFL. Why are we so worried still about how many of them get to play quarterback? At long last, let the best man just get the job. Any job, all jobs, quarterback, cornerback, coach. And if whoever drafts Lamar Jackson wants him to play receiver, he should play receiver. I bet Troy Apke couldn't cover him. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I just don't get the furor over what Dion said or over what Polian said. I don't think there was an ounce of malice from either man, not an ounce of ill will in what either said. Back to the Penguins. They're in an odd spot uh, this moment. I wouldn't say they're playing well these last two games, but they won them both and are starting to get comfortable after the big trade. The Penguins are dynamite three-on-three, though. Wow. 
11 and 4 in overtime this year. Malkin, Kessel, Crosby, and Latang are as good as it gets three on three. That's simply overwhelming. Tristan Jari played okay too, made some big saves, especially in overtime. Uh, the Penguins got three goals from the D last night uh, Ruido, Latang, and then Schultz in overtime. That's good. You need some production from the D. But the problem basically for the Penguins has been the same, remains the same. The puck management last night was better, but not as good as it needs to be. And the Penguins are still surrendering way too many odd man breaks. But I have every confidence that will stop when the time is right. I'm sure talk about Lev Bell will dominate today's show. I urge everyone to really look at his stats. His per catch and per carry were each second worst of his career. He only had four runs of 20 yards or longer. He's not a game breaker. Now, you can call that nitpicking, or you could say it should be the difference between making 14.5 mil and 13.3 mil, which is what the Steelers have offered. We've got a great show today. Even if we didn't, I would say that, but we really do. Tim Benz joins me at 3.30. Stan Saverin at 4.35. It's the Mark Madden Show at 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. None of what you're saying is reasonable. It's laughable. Ah. You're already dumb. Let's see if you can go to dumber. The X at 105.9. Love you on Bell Talk. We'll saturate today's show, I'm sure. But today is the day... He officially had the franchise tag applied. He's saying he's not sure if he's going to play or not. Worst case scenario, I guess he raps. If you've heard him rap, you know what I mean by worst case scenario. I think the Steelers at this point would like to be able to let Bell go. But they can't. Or maybe they can but I, I don't think they can. I, I'm really going back and forth on what the right path is here. I think what will keep Lev Bell on the Steelers, whether it's via the franchise tag or the very unlikely possibility of a long-term contract, is that Plan B couldn't be readily assembled. I spoke earlier about the six running backs that played in the Super Bowl, three between Philadelphia and New England, three apiece, I talked about how they made $7.2 million between them. And that's a real low figure, but those guys weren't assembled randomly. That's one thing Belichick's excellent at, by the way. Finding guys who fit into a specific role and then finding other guys who fit into roles that the first guy couldn't do. And I don't mean that just at running back. I mean that at all positions, so... I don't think a plan B would be easily assembled by the Steelers. I don't feel like James Conner. I think he could be part of a committee. I don't think he could be the best guy in that committee. So uh, I think the Steelers are going to either keep Bell via the franchise tag, then we see whether he shows up or not. Like I said a moment ago, Bell doesn't have to show up to week 10 of the regular season to burn off this year of commitment. He wouldn't get paid in full, get paid a prorated portion of the franchise tax salary, $14.5 million, based on how many weeks he, he did show up for. But uh, I think he's going to miss games this year. I think he sees it as a matter of principle. 
I think it's really a matter of greed. I think he's too dumb to know the difference. And believe me, people criticize me when I characterize athletes as dumb. Le'Veon Bell will prove every bit of that by the time this fiasco wraps up. 412-333-9939 is the number to call here on the Mark Madden Show. One thing to note about Bell, too, real quickly, before I talk about a guy I think is going to be a better running back in the NFL in very short order, Saquon Barkley. You know, Bell's not the best back in the league. We like to just say that very casually, as if it's a matter of absolute fact, as if he's the best back in the league by acclamation. Todd Gurley's better from the L.A. Rams. Look at his numbers. They're just better. His catching numbers are better. Alvin Kamara, the rookie from New Orleans, you can make an argument for him as well. Uh, Getting to Barkley now, I'm really curious to see what the Cleveland Browns do in the first round of the draft with the first and fourth picks. They should take Saquon Barkley with the first pick overall. He is the generational talent in this year's draft. If you do what the Steelers do, which is take the best athlete available, Saquon Barkley, the Penn State back, is the best athlete available. Uh, Cleveland doesn't have much, but they do have a good offensive line. So Barkley could go in there and maybe not prosper, but have a chance to you know, get some yards. He wouldn't be snowed under with their offensive line, especially if Joe Thomas decides to come back. So I would take Barkley first and then take a quarterback with the fourth pick. Darnold, Rosen, Allen, and Mayfield literally can't all be gone by then. Or maybe they sign A.J. McCarron and take another position with that fourth pick. Barkley can change their team. He could change the Cleveland Browns quite a bit right away. No quarterback they might draft can do that. If they draft a guy, a quarterback, with the fourth pick and decide to start him, Barkley, despite only being a rookie himself, can ease that transition by being responsible for a lot of yards and taking a lot of pressure off that rookie quarterback. Now, uh, Barkley could overcome being on the Browns. He's that good. In fact, Andrew Filipponi from the B team, he said the Browns would be a borderline playoff team if they drafted Barkley. I don't know about that. I think they'd win six or seven games if they picked Barkley. Like I said, immediate change. Could Le'Veon Bell overcome being on the Cleveland Browns? Would we even know who Le'Veon Bell was if he was on the Browns or on the Chicago Bears? Le'Veon Bell has definitely benefited from being weapon number three on the Steelers. Bell is undeniably behind Ben and Brown. Up next, we'll continue to get deep inside Le'Veon Bell. Let me rephrase that. Uh, Tim Benz from the Trib. You hear him on the Steeler Radio Network as well. He's going to join me in just a few. It's Tim Benz next on 105.9. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. Come, son of Jor-El. Kneel before Zod. Oh, hi. Um, Always great to hear from the lady callers. TX at 105.9. Le'Veon Bell Amania is running wild, brother. Joining me now to participate from the Trib and from the Steelers Radio Network, it's Tim Benz. Tim, has Le'Veon Bell painted himself into a corner, uh, especially in terms of PR? Because he looks like, he looks... 
like he's dumb and greedy. I'm not sure there's any sympathy to be had with the stance Lev Bell's taken. I would agree with both of those characterizations. The only thing I would disagree with is, no, he hasn't painted himself in the corner. He can take the contract offer that Pittsburgh gave him at least last year, certainly, and this year. And I don't think he looks bad to his fellow running back peers for doing that. So I don't think he's in a corner. He just has to accept the offer or even just sign the franchise tag. Uh, the PR stuff you're talking about, though, 100% is accurate. Uh, I think he looks dumb, as I wrote about in the Trib today, for saying that he should be paid the franchise tag every year. That's not the point of the franchise tag. And I think he looks greedy by inferring that the franchise tag isn't good enough for him. Uh, it is. That's why the franchise tag is written the way it is. It's not supposed to be an indication of player value. It's supposed to be a poison pill to force the two sides to come together and have five years of a contract coursing through an important member of the Players Association. That's what it's supposed to mean. Do you think any other running back in the league is looking to levy on Bell to get maximum value to make the path easier for them when the time comes? Because I don't think so. I think most running backs know that running back isn't a valued position in a passing league. It's not like quarterback and receiver, and nothing Bell does, says, or ultimately gets can change that, Tim. Well, I think they would like it. I mean, sure, would Todd Gurley and you know some other good running backs love to see the bar raised that high? Of course, but so what? I mean, if it doesn't happen, they still have to sign a contract of their own eventually, and I don't know why Le'Veon Bell has prioritized being, as I keep calling him, the running back Rosa Parks, why he's made that such a big deal in this whole thing. Him being a trailblazer for all running backs, to me, um, just isn't that important when you talk about being on a winning team and making enough money for the long term. Um, I don't... I don't think he has to – he's going to break the bank anyway, Mark. I mean, he's going to be a pioneer in one context or another. It's just at this point, how much is enough, right? Oh, I agree, but I don't think that that nonsense about blazing a trail for running backs is anything but just that nonsense. I think he likes how it sounds, but I think he just wants to get his. And I have no problem with Bell being the league's highest paid back to him, but to want twice as much or pretty close as the next highest paid – Again, that's dumb and greedy. Right, and he, in essence, Mark, yesterday in that conversation on ESPN.com, he, in essence, corroborated the discussion of a lot of the numbers that were out there this past summer, right? Uh, absolutely. Right, so, I mean, like, he kind of... I mean, he, he was offered a, a deal worth $13.3 mil per year that would have paid him, if memory serves, $42 mil over the first three years. Right, and if you do the math, it's not that different from what would happen if he were to be franchised the next two years and signed something somewhere else anyway. And the real thing, and this is where he really comes off looking greedy in, in my eyes, uh, he's talking about and has since the Pro Bowl, if I can recall correctly here, uh, maybe even the Super Bowl week, suggested that the Steelers have come up a little bit and he's come down a little bit. Well, I mean, if he was rapping about wanting 15 mil per year before 2016, and the Steelers have come up beyond their offer of $13 million, having paid him already $12 million last year, then they've come up way further than he has if he's not willing to come down more than $450,000. That's ridiculous. Tim, there's a lot of pros and cons with Le'Veon Bell as a player, aren't there? The raw numbers were great in 2017, but he was more of a workhorse back than anything because his breakdowns 
like per catch, per carry, stuff like that, they were not great. Well, no, he's never been a huge yards per carry guy, but Mark, well, I will agree with you in criticizing Bell with his approach to his contract off the field. I'm more defensive of him as a player on the field, and I think him as a player, I think he's, I think he's great. I do think he's the best back of the game. I think Gurley's right there. I'd still take Bell. But in my opinion, I think too much is being made of the average per carry or the average per yard situation because it was so skewed well, by the fact that he wasn't there in camp last year to start the season, and he got off to a bad start. If you look at his last 12 games last year and match them up to the 12-game season he had after the suspension in 2016, they're mirror images of one another. No, no, I I know what you're saying, but my point would be, if you look at the yards per catch and the yards per carry and some of the other micro stats that don't favor Bell, that doesn't mean he stinks. That doesn't mean he should be paid $8 million a year. Maybe that's the difference between 14.5 and 13.3. Yeah, and that's what I was getting at before. At some point, enough is enough. And getting the franchise tag every year for a five-year deal or whatever it is he's asking for, that's too much. That's, that's not a logical application of what you're trying to get in as a financial barometer. So, yeah, I mean, statistically... Yeah, a part of the reason that I'm so in favor of defending Bell on his numbers is I think a lot of that is consistency with gaining yardage as opposed to popping a big one and then losing a few. Like we used to complain about that all the time with Willie Parker. Well, I'd rather have a back that gets me three to four every time. Well, I guess he's doing that if he's a workhorse and the yards per carry uh, isn't as big of a deal. We would complain about that with Parker. I don't think we have to pin it now in the other direction against Bell. One thing that makes this intriguing is that I don't sense either team's going to budge, either side rather, that either Bell or the Steelers will budge offer uh, what their figure is. I don't think the Steelers are going to go above 13.3. I don't think Bell's going to go below 14.5. Right, and that's why I think he said what he did, and he couched it a bit where he said, uh, I know I want them to come up, and I know they think that I'm too high. Uh, ironically phrased, but yeah, he's too high. He, he's, he needs to come down. I, I'm actually surprised, Mark, that they went as high as 13.1 or 2 to begin with. I, I didn't think they would. Um, that's, that's enough. Um, it, it, Lev should accept that. He's, you know, I, I know he's tweeting about God's plan and, you know, putting out the post with him listening to the Drake song and everything. And Steelers fans certainly ran with their interpretation of that online yesterday, but. I think he should stop trying to follow what he deems to be God's plan and he should listen to mommy because his mother told him to sign the deal last offseason, and he should have. God's not worried about football or Lev Bell, and God hates rap music, Tim. We've known that for years. Tim Benz uh, from the Trib and Steelers Radio Network joining me here on 105.9 The X. Now, what's the Steelers' plan B? Could they assemble a committee of running backs between now and training camp? Uh, they already got James Conner, but I don't see him as the centerpiece uh, of such a uh, committee. Well, this is where it gets interesting to me, Mark, because fans far and near are saying just let Bell walk because look what the Patriots and look what the Eagles did, uh, as if it's easy. I don't think it's that easy. And it's definitely going to be hard to do this year with the insecurity of what he's going to do with the cap existent. Now, maybe the best route to go is see how the draft plays out, see what other teams do, and then lift the franchise tag and rescind it and give yourself some time to assemble said running back by committee. But 
if you look over, especially in the Patriots case, that committee took a while to assemble. You know, like James uh, White got drafted in, what, 2014. Uh, Dion Lewis came the next year. Now, he's a free agent, so he might be gone. And then uh, who was the other? Oh, no, Rex Burkhead just came in the start of this year. So that, you know, running back committee, it, it took three, four years, three years to, to fully assemble, and it might not stay together. So um, if it's as easy as people are saying, then I guess just go ahead and do it this year. But I think Steeler fans are going to find it's a little bit uh, easier said than done. You know, that this back by committee that the Eagles just got, you know, that didn't happen until the Patriots let the other guy go, <laughs> LeGarrette Blunt. So uh, I don't know if the, the puzzle pieces are, are quite as easy to put together as some of us want to believe. Can you see Bell sitting on games? Because he can uh, report by week 10 and still burn this year of responsibility to the Steelers. Could it really come to that? Ordinarily, I'd say no, but given this is a second straight year of of Bell being this unhappy about the way this has transpired, I, I could see him showing up late to the regular season. I really could. Yeah, I can't see him going so far as to sit out a whole year. I could see him sitting out till week 10. I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, I just can't. If I'm him, I don't know how I leave money on the table. I don't. If it's that important to me, then why am I turning my nose up at $14.5 million? Like, if the difference between 13 and 14.5 is so insanely important to him, then why am I saying no to 14.5 when I have it? That just, that's cutting off your nose to spite your face, is it not? Yeah, but he might do that. And speaking of that, at what point did the Steelers rescind the franchise tag, which might be cutting off their nose to spite their face? They can rescind it as long as... Bell doesn't sign the tender, and if they do that, like in July, Bell's the one that's screwed even more than the Steelers because all the big free agent money will have long since been spent. Yeah, the big free agent money would. When it comes to, I guess, if, if if you're planning on rescinding the tag before the draft, then you don't bother tagging them now, right? So I think you wait till after the draft, see what you have after the draft, see what other players have been made available, and then make that read at that point. If I remember right, isn't that what the Panthers did with Norman? Wasn't it shortly after the draft when the, the tag was I think that's correct, yes. Yeah, so I would use that model. Uh, what's the Steelers' general attitude now toward Bell? Uh, you know, give us your best guess, Tim, in the locker room with the coach and with the owner, Art Rooney. Well, here's my best guess. My best guess is if I'm Kevin Colbert, I'm insanely frustrated because – I don't know which Lev Bell I'm talking to on the other end of the phone at a given time. Like, for instance, I've heard you use this phrase before, Mark, and I agree with it. That Lev Bell, he's one heck of a bunch of guys. Right. Because you never know which guy you're talking to. Are you negotiating with a guy who wants $15 million a year like you rapped about in 2016? Or are you negotiating with the guy who wants to make sure he's got five years of security panned out and is worried about guaranteed money up front, which actually makes more sense and he was talking about last year. Or, Tim, were you negotiating with the guy who got on Twitter and told the Steeler fans in the city how much he loves them? Right, and yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. So he's, he's flat-out schizophrenic, multiple personality when it comes to this stuff, and it's very frustrating, Mark, because he, he's been that way his whole career. He's the easiest, most pleasant guy to deal with. He's incredibly friendly and outgoing, and then... He does stupid stuff like gets himself busted for pot when he knew he could get suspended. Uh, he gets busted in the first place with Garrett Blunt, and he pulls this ridiculous negotiating stance. Um, 
he, he's a split personality guy in a lot of ways, and I would imagine that's what's frustrating the Steelers. I, I think the Steelers want to like him so much, and it's killing them that he's making it this hard. I don't think the fans side with Bell now. Some did last year, but I think the majority now just want him to show up for work. I don't think it's going to go well for him with the fans two years in a row. That's a good point, and I think that part of the reason he got some benefit of the doubt points with the fans last year is that there was some you know, dubious belief about the Steelers' numbers that were floated out there. Oh, okay, what does $30 million really mean? Uh, 42 over 3, how much of that is guaranteed? But now you got the players saying it. Like that, that was the most awe-inspiring thing to me, that whole conversation with Jeremy Fowler is, so he's the one that's saying there's only $1.5 million worth of difference per year, which would then map out to one-third of one year's difference over the life of the contract, and that's the holdup? Like, I don't know what you think, Mark, but for as much as I've been in favor of the Steelers keeping him, I think he made himself look the worst yesterday by doing that. By putting his own name, his own quotes to those numbers, he hurt his cause. He didn't help it. Finally, Tim, it seems like this has the potential to get really messy, doesn't it? Really personal uh, by the time this is wrapped up, however it is wrapped up. Yeah, it does, because like we just said before, you know, if I'm his agent, if I'm his mom, uh, if I'm God and I have written the plan for him, I don't know what's going to come out of this dude's mouth next. Like He could say something that he shouldn't say, feel sorry about it the next day, then try to take it back on Instagram, and, well, by that point, it might be too late, and that's going to make for one heck of an interesting rap lyric. Tim, as always, a pleasure. We'll do it again real soon. Thanks, Mark, and happy birthday to the Big Lebowski, by the way, today. 20 years. We're going to get to that later, the 20th anniversary of the Big Lebowski being released. I'm looking forward to it. Is that going to be in Sick Again or the monologue at 4 o'clock? Oh, don't rush me, Tim. All all I can tell you is... (laughs) The dude abides. That's Tim Benz. I'm Mark Madden. 1059 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. That's correct. It's organized chaos. Super genius. I just diddled my lips on live radio for 30 seconds, and you all listen. The X at 1059. Like Tim Benz said, uh, today is the 20th anniversary of the release of The Big Lebowski. What a tremendous movie that is. I could watch it over and over. It's one of the few movies that if I'm flipping the dial and it's on, I'll watch at least 20 minutes of it or more often go to its conclusion. Careful, man, there's a beverage here. Uh, It's one of those movies that doesn't really have a plot, but the characters are just so great. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Some idiot actually stole Frances McDormand's Oscar for Best Actress. Grabbed it and made off with it at an after party. He got caught maybe because he went on Facebook and posed with the statue. Social media claims another victim. Rather, stupidity combined with social media claims another victim. And, of course, the guy uh, got arrested. Uh, Canelo Alvarez flunked a drug test, the uh, boxer. And he's blaming tainted meats. Fill in your own joke there, but a lab says Alvarez might be telling the truth that in Mexico, beef is often laced 
with drugs that might not meet anti-doping approval. You know, think about it. I bet the tainted meat was that steak Stallone gave him in the beer at. Canelo, no es bueno. Uh, getting back to the Lev Bell thing, because we're going to talk about the Lev Bell thing from now until he comes back to the Steelers, whether that's four OTAs, four mini camp, four training camp, right before the first game or for week 10. We're going to be talking about uh, Le'Veon Bell and his contract situation nonstop. Uh, Eric Dickerson just tweeted, Le'Veon Bell is an X factor for that football team. As Le'Veon Bell goes, pretty much the Steelers go. He's worth the money, unquote. Uh, that is nonsense spoken by somebody I've always felt was kind of an idiot. But he's speaking for running backs. To act like the Steelers go as Le'Veon Bell goes, that's absurd. No team goes as its running back goes in today's NFL. The Steelers go as their quarterback goes. They go as Ben Roethlisberger goes. Uh, I got some stats to run by you here regarding Lev Bell. Because if you look at his stats from 2017, there's some negative below the positive. Now, as uh, you all know, Bell was third in rushing yards, fourth in receiving among running backs, second in all-purpose yards. Bell led the NFL in rushing attempts and only missed one game. So he's a workhorse. Not so much a game-breaker, but a workhorse. He's had a great career here in Pittsburgh. Uh, Bell's uh, career per game average of 128.9 yards from scrimmage. That's career per game from scrimmage, 128.9 yards. It's the NFL's best mark since the 1970 NFL-AFL merger. And that is really amazing. So Bell's a top talent beyond the stats. He's an exceptional pass blocker. And he runs precise routes. However, Bell's per carry average last year of four yards was the second worst of his five-year career and ranked just 23rd in the NFL. His per catch average of 7.7 yards was also second worst of his career and ranked only 17th among running backs. Bell had eight plays that gained 20 yards or more. Compare that to 27 by Antonio Brown and 20 by the aforementioned Todd Gurley, the running back for the Los Angeles Rams. Like I said, Bell is more of a workhorse than a game breaker, or at least he was uh, this past season. Bell is exceptional, but he's been paid exceptionally to this point of his career. He's hardly perfect. A mercurial attitude and the two pot suspensions. So, when I criticize Bell or try to poke deep into his stats to try to unearth some negative, which is not that hard to do, I'm not saying the Steelers shouldn't pay Bell. I'm not saying Bell sucks. I do think he's a dink. I think he's a reprehensible human being with an exaggerated sense of worth in every which way you can have an exaggerated sense of worth. But I say, yeah, pay him. Pay him 13.3 mil like you've already offered. I went off from that much. I think that's more than enough 
14.5 per for any running back in a passing era. That is absolutely ridiculous. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Like I said, we'll talk about this nonstop till Bell finally does show up, if he ever does so. Beat the rush and give me a shot. That number again, 412-333-WXDX. Let's take the first call of the day before we go to break. Let's go to Bill in Harrison City. Bill, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. So, because you wouldn't want to pay him 13 mil, how much would you pay him on a per-year basis for a long-term deal? Uh, 12 mil per year. I know makes that big of a difference. Well, he wants 14.5, so that's 2.5 mil. Yeah, to me it does. Bro, we act like a million dollars is nothing because the people who own NFL teams have so many millions. But in a cap league, every million counts. It really does. So I would pay him 12 mil. They're offering 13.3. He wants 14.5. By the way, Bell's Twitter page now mentions the Steelers again. Like Tim Ben said, he really is a nice bunch of guys. We haven't talked much about the NFL draft so far this year, but uh, in 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you one guy I definitely would not draft. 105.9 The X.